I appreciate the prayers that have been offered up this morning already in private and in public with the men gathered before the service. And may the Lord bless us as we open his word today, open our hymnals and sing praise to his name and lift up our hearts together and our voices. We have been blessed abundantly and let us not take for granted this great privilege that we have and the the great amount of truth that he's shown us. Let's rejoice in it today. I want to read to you verses that are not very well known by many. You have heard them several times before. They are the last four verses of 2 Corinthians 2, and it's the apostle, along with many other verses in this epistle to the Corinthians, defending his ministry and explaining how God used him. But here we also have a description of the effect of the gospel, what it does and what it does not do, and I hope that it will help set the stage for what we want to consider today. 2 Corinthians 2, beginning at verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savour of death unto death, and to the other the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ." Amen and amen. This is a ministerial section of scripture where the apostle is describing himself and other preachers of the gospel and how they always triumph when they're preaching the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of God in the earth. Very quickly, I have preached this at length to you before several years ago when we made our way through this second epistle. But the thanks belongs to God, according to the 14th verse. Because it's all of God. And thanks be to God which caused Paul and other faithful, sincere ministers of the gospel to always triumph in Christ Jesus. They're preaching Christ, they're called by Christ, they're Christians, and they're ministering Christ to hearers, but they always triumph in Christ. Because God makes manifest the savour of His knowledge. Savour is aroma. Savour is incense. And God brings up an aroma into heaven, incense into heaven to himself by the preaching of Jesus Christ, and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge. Whenever the knowledge of God is preached, the true God of the Bible, whenever the knowledge of Jesus Christ is preached, the Jesus Christ of the Scriptures, an aroma, an incense, perfume, ointment, arises up into heaven by us in every place. It doesn't matter where Paul went when he preached the gospel, whether it was on the island of Melita or in the innermost prison of the Philippian jail, God blessed the preaching of Jesus Christ to bring forth a sweet-smelling savour in His, God's own nostrils. 
Verse 15, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ. Jesus Christ is sweet by Himself to, to Almighty God. But faithful ministers who present Jesus Christ to men bring up another sweet aroma into heaven in both those that are saved and in them that perish. To those that are saved, those that have been ordained to eternal life and chosen in Christ before the world began, they hear the gospel and they believe it. And when they hear about Jesus Christ and they fall at the feet of the apostles or other preachers or at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the sweet aroma, it is the savour of life unto life. It shows that they were ordained to eternal life in the eternal phase. It shows that they were saved by the life of Jesus Christ, that they're already born again, and that they're going to have eternal glorification in heaven. It is the sweet smell to God of manifesting His elect in the world by them showing that they have life already in them and that they will gain eternal life and eternal inheritance in the end. But that same preaching is also a sweet-smelling savour to God in them that perish. For it is the sweet aroma of death unto death. It shows that they're still in the first Adam. It shows that they're still dead in trespasses and sins. It shows that Christ did not die for them. It shows Christ is not living and interceding for them. And that they shall be cast into the lake of fire in a day to come, which is called the second death. So it is death unto death. And the apostle, in contemplating these things for just a moment, would say, who is sufficient for these things? How can we mere men, preaching a message about the Lord Jesus Christ that's as true as anything there is in the universe, truer, how can it cause such a wide division among men? So that some, Paul would say of them, you have judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. No one is worthy of everlasting life, but when a man rejects the most wonderful story ever told, they prove themselves, I'm not worthy of everlasting life. And Paul said that in Acts 13, 46. But two verses later, it says, And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. What a huge difference. The Lord makes the difference. The Lord makes gospel preaching, when it's done correctly, always to triumph. Because it's going to manifest dead and future death. It's going to manifest those already saved, and that they shall be saved in the great day of judgment. And then Paul would summarize this way in verse 17. It's important to connect verse 17 to these three verses. For we are not as many. Now he has just said, who is sufficient for these things? Who can fully comprehend God's use of gospel preaching to make such a sweet aroma in heaven in two different ways? Two opposing ways. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Even in Paul's day, men were corrupting the gospel and they were corrupting the scriptures in order to modify the message to increase the multitude. And that's what they're doing today. They're watering down the message to increase the numbers. But that is not what God's plan is for the gospel. God did not plan for the gospel to be something pleasing to everyone. You can water it down enough to where everyone wants to be saved. 
If you water it down enough and just talk about going to heaven when you die, and you can live any way you want to, and we can have contemporary and carnal worship, and God is just excited with that, everyone will come in one way or another. But Paul said we are not as many. There were many doing that already. Let me give you this as a, just a, an aside. One of the arguments against our King James Bible is that our translators 400 years ago did not have some of the oldest manuscripts that supposedly have been discovered in the last 400 years. Now those translators may very well have known about some of those manuscripts and didn't want anything to do with them. But the point is, the older the manuscript, the more accurate it is. And there's only two of, when they say that, there's only two out of the thousands that are available and, you know, we've talked about those two before, the Roman Catholic manuscripts called Vaticanus, that has in the Vatican Library, Sinaiticus, in a convent on Mount Sinai. But notice, Paul said the corruption was already taking place in his day, so older doesn't mean better. Amen. Why would you want two manuscripts that have no fruit, that are owned by the Roman Catholic Church, when there's thousands that bore fruit in the churches of the saints that Rome burned? Which set of manuscripts do you want? I don't care if they're newer or not. Do you know why Vaticanus and Sinaiticus are so old? Because they weren't worn out, because no one used them. They knew they were faulty. And there's whole books written about both of them. Right. We are not as many. So we don't corrupt the worship of God here. We're sober. We sing old-fashioned hymns. We sing praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. We prepare for worship. We deal with the subject gravely. We deal with Scripture. We preach the Word. And do you know what? Preaching the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ that way will be a savour in the nostrils of God one way or another. We are not as many which corrupt the Word of God. We're not going to change things to increase our church. But as of sincerity, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it sincerely. We're going to do it as if we're the ambassadors of God Himself. We're going to do it as if God is watching everything we do and everything we say. We're going to speak in Christ that way. And we'll let God make the difference in the results. Some are ordained to eternal life, and some are not. And they'll manifest that as we preach Christ plainly. Dumbing down the message so that it has no human wisdom in it, but just the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apostle said in a chapter that you read last night, that he didn't come to them with the wisdom of man's words, He came with Jesus Christ crucified. And that makes all the difference right there. Who is sufficient for these things? I hope we understand that. That the gospel is not the savour of death unto life. It's the savour of death unto death, and it's the savour of life unto life, because it is God that makes both of those differences. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, Lord God, we thank Thee that we are able to always triumph in preaching Jesus Christ. We thank Thee that You have made the gospel such a dividing thing among men. Though it be perfectly true, though it be established on the testimonies of thousands, though it turned the Roman world upside down, though though men write dates even today, acknowledging the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to preach him correctly drives most men away for the natural men receive the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them 
because they are spiritually discerned. But we thank Thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that You ordained us to eternal life, and You have given us a new spiritual man that discerns all things and sees in the Lord Jesus Christ the glory and the power and the wisdom of God. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father. Keep this church from ever corrupting Your Word, from ever adding methods to Your Gospel to please carnal or reprobate men. Let us be faithful to the old paths and stand in them and look for the good way and earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Let us never be moved away from the hope of the gospel as it is described right here by our beloved brother Paul. Heavenly Father, thank you for saving our souls by your choice of us in Christ Jesus before the world began, of his willing death for us on the cross of Calvary, and the powerful regeneration of the Holy Ghost like the wind blowing. And we thank Thee for bringing the gospel to us in due time by faithful men that we were able to hear and believe the wonderful message of salvation. And Heavenly Father, we look forward to that salvation that's nearer than when we believed, when we shall be glorified in Thy presence forever. Bless us this day to worship Thee with all our hearts and all our minds, to love Thee with all our strength. We pray for our nation that you'll preserve it, that you will bless those rulers that you've put over us, for which we are thankful, and for all the liberties that we enjoy under their present care. We pray for your churches in every place. Heavenly Father, that your kingdom will be established, strengthened, and broadened, widened, and extended in the earth. Bless every man that stands in a pulpit today and opens your word, and then opens his mouth to give the sense and to cause your people to understand the reading. Give him great boldness. Give him understanding and wisdom. And open their ears to hear, to be fed, and to rejoice at the joyful sound. Father, forgive us our sins. We thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, who hung between heaven and earth as the one mediator between God and men to make peace for us and to put at one again us with thee, our Father in heaven. Be with us now, guide our every thought, that it will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we commit this day, it is the Lord's day, and we ask you to be among us, with us, and to bless us, and we shall return the blessing to thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.